Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Myths and Stuff, the podcast where I, Liesl, tell you, listener, all about Greek mythology. I am so glad you're here listening in on this episode. It genuinely means the world to me. If this is your first time listening, I have a few episodes out before this one, and it would mean, again, the world to me if you could go and check them out. Okay, so on to this week's episode. This one is all about Athena and Perseus. I'm so excited for this episode. I am such a Cabin 6 girly, and I love the myths I will be telling today. Um, Again, I will also be including Perseus because, I don't know, why not? And she plays a part in Perseus's myth. So, without further ado, welcome to this week's episode of Myths and Stuff. Athena, goddess of wisdom, battle strategy, and major arachnophobe. Plus Perseus, because why not? If you remember the episode about Zeus, you will remember that when he married the Titan Matis, she got a prophecy that if she bore a son, he would be stronger than his father Zeus. Zeus could not have that, so instead of not having children, he decided the best course of action would be to physically eat Matis once she got pregnant, because of course, he was taking after his father. Once Matis got pregnant, Zeus tricked her. He told her they were going to play a game to see how many things they could turn into. You know, typical godly games. Matis turned into a fly, and as she did, Zeus swallowed her whole. But Matis didn't die, because she's a titan. Instead, she lived inside Zeus's head, where she eventually gave birth to the goddess Athena. In Zeus's head, Matis raised Athena. She crafted her a full set of armor, a shield, and a spear. As Athena grew, she started to, you know, not want to live inside her father's head anymore, so she started to bang and bang on Zeus's forehead. This caused Zeus to have a massive mind-bending headache. It was so bad that eventually he went to his fellow god Hephaestus, who is the smith god, for help. Hephaestus broke into Zeus's head, and out popped Athena, fully grown and in her full suit of armor. Athena became the goddess of wisdom, being born from her father's head and all, battle strategy, handicraft, and warfare. She is often considered Ares' god of war counterpart. Okay. Now on to more interesting stories about Athena. Once upon a time, there was a king named Kikops. He created a city named Kikopia, fittingly, and the city was prosperous and beautiful. So much so, two gods were fighting over it to become the city's patron. The two were Athena and Poseidon, goddess of wisdom and the god of the sea. They argued and argued, unable to decide who got the city. Then Zeus stepped in. He told the two that the people of Kerkwapia and the king Kerkwaps should be able to choose. So, Zeus told them to each create gifts for the city, which then the citizens and the king would judge as to which was better. Whoever the winner was got to become the patron of Kerkwapia. Both Athena and Poseidon mulled over which gifts would be best, and once they decided, they each presented their gifts. Poseidon went first. Using his trident, he struck the ground, and from it, he created a gushing river full of water. His gift was to show the people of Kakrapia that they would never be in a drought and would always have water to drink. But when they took a sip of the water Poseidon had summoned, they realized it was salty, like the ocean. It was gross and not good for drinking. Then went Athena, and she presented her gift, the olive tree, to the king and his people. They were thrilled. They had never seen this kind of tree before and were grateful. I personally dislike olives, but apparently these people loved them. 
The king cat crops immediately knew who the winner was. It wasn't that difficult to choose, like salty, undrinkable water or an olive tree with good food. So Athena was chosen as their patron, and as an act of thanks, the city Cacropia was named Athens after Athena. Next on to the story of Arachne. Arachne was a young girl. She grew up weaving and was one of the best of the best. One day, though, while weaving, she began to brag and brag about how amazing she was at weaving and how no one was able to match her prowess, not even the goddess Athena. Now, in Greek mythology, comparing yourself to a god is a huge no-no. The gods believe themselves to be superior to mortals in every way, so they don't like it when mortals pretend to be like them. And Arachne didn't just say her skills were comparable to Athena's, she straight up said she was better than Athena. So, Athena was very, very angry. She disguised herself as an old woman and went down from Olympus to where Arachne was. Athena confronted her. She told Arachne that comparing oneself to a god was an ill-advised idea. Arachne then told the disguised Athena that if Athena was so offended, she could come down and tell her herself. That's when Athena took off her disguise and showed Arachne that herself, yes, Athena, had come down from Olympus to confront her. Arachne was shocked, but instead of apologizing, she challenged Athena to a weaving competition. Bad ideas all around. And the goddess agreed. Both started to weave. Athena started to weave different scenes from mythology where someone would be too proud and insult a god, then the person would be punished. Arachne weaved scenes showing the gods tricking mortals, especially mortal women, to hurt them without being provoked. In the end, when both were done with their tapestries, both realized that in fact, Arachne's was better. Athena was embarrassed. How could she weave better than her? And she tore up Arachne's tapestry and hit her over the head. Arachne ran home. Now she was the one embarrassed, and she took her own life. But once Athena found out what Arachne had done and what she her herself had caused, she felt bad. So she brought Arachne back to life as a spider. Get it? Like Arachne, spider. And Arachne was allowed to continue to weave for the rest of her life. To this day, though, it is said that Athena hates spiders, for she still feels embarrassed about losing to Arachne. Okay, so now that we have some of the shorter myths told onto a longer one, the myth of Perseus. Now we cannot talk about Perseus without talking about Medusa first. Medusa was a beautiful young girl who, unfortunately, caught the eye of Poseidon, the sea god. Now, depending on the myth you have heard, either Medusa is being pursued by Poseidon, but does not wish to be with him, so she flees to a temple of Athena and prays for her assistance. In this version, Athena helps Medusa scare away Poseidon by turning Medusa into a gorgon, a monster that looks like a woman, but instead of hair, Medusa has snakes growing from her scalp and whenever she looks at someone directly, they will turn to stone. Medusa's two sisters, Stheno and Uriah were also turned to gorgons, though in this telling of the story, it doesn't make much sense as to why they were turned. Another telling of the story is that Medusa goes to Athena's temple for help, but Athena doesn't help her. Instead, she gets angry at Medusa for bringing Poseidon into her temple, and Athena turns Medusa into a gorgon as punishment. Then Uriah Lee and Stheno get turned into gorgons for being sisters and in close proximity to Medusa. 
Lastly, one telling of Medusa's myth was that Medusa consented to being with Poseidon, and they snuck into Athena's temple to get together. Athena obviously was not too happy with this, and she turned Medusa into a gorgon as a punishment. Athena also turned Medusa's sisters because of their relationship with Medusa in this telling. Okay, so now we can move on to Perseus. Perseus was the son of Danae and Zeus, but before Perseus was born, Danae's father, Acrisus, king of Argos, consulted the oracle at Delphi and got a prophecy that he would be killed by his daughter's son. In an attempt to avoid this fate, he put his daughter, Dine, in a bronze courtyard of his palace, where she was never allowed to leave or see anyone. But as we have learned from the Zeus episode, Zeus is relentless. He saw a beautiful woman and just had to have her. So he appeared to Danae in a shower of gold. Yes, a shower of gold. Because why not? If you can appear in a shower of gold to mortal woman instead of a regular man, why would you choose the man disguise? And he's Zeus. He can do whatever he wants. As a shower of gold, Zeus got with Danae and she became pregnant with our hero of the week, Perseus. Acrisus was not too happy when he found out what had happened, and in a last-ditch attempt to escape this prophecy that was becoming truer by the day, he locked Danae and Perseus in a wooden chest and threw it out to sea. But Danae made a prayer to the gods to save them, and it was answered. Soon, they washed up on the shores of Seraphos, where a fisherman by the name of Dictus found and rescued them. On the island, Perseus grew up and he grew strong, as demigods do. But when Perseus got older, Polydictus, king of Seraphos, and Dictus' brother, why the king's brother was a common fisherman, I don't know, fell in love with Danae. But Perseus rejected him. He saw him as unfit for his mother's hand, and he protected his mother from the marriage. Which is like kind of the bare minimum, because like he's protecting his mother and everything, but it's still nice to see in Greek mythology. Polydictus obviously could not have this. A man not getting to have a woman in Greek mythology? What a shock. So he created a plan. He held a banquet and said that everyone must bring a horse as a gift to him. He said that he was trying to win over the hand of another woman, and I guess the more horses you have, the more attractive you become to women. Perseus had no horses, though. He was a fisherman. So he told Polydectus to name any gift in the world he wanted, and Perseus would bring it to him. Polydectus told Perseus that the only gift that would make up for the lack of horse-related gifts was the head of Medusa. Athena, who again, according to most, most myths, had a strong dislike for Medusa, went down from Olympus to help Perseus in this task. Athena told Perseus that he must find the Hesperides, who had great weapons and tools that would help him defeat Medusa. But to find the Hesperides was no easy task. First, Perseus had to go to the Grey Eye. The gray eye were extremely old women who all shared one eye and one tooth. They are not to be confused with the fates from the movie Hercules. The fates usually have all their eyes between the three of them. I don't know why Disney decided to change that. They changed. They also changed like just a lot of things from Greek mythology. Like, it's technically Hercules is Greek in the movie, but Hercules' Greek name is Heracles. Hercules is his Roman name. Um, but anyway, it's a fantastic movie. Just not that accurate. But anyway, back to Perseus. According to some sources, the Greyi were sisters of Medusa and their and her other Gorgon sisters. But I cannot be certain. Greek mythology is again very messy and doesn't have a straight answer most of the time. 
The Grey Eye apparently knew where to find the Hesperides, but when Percy found the Grey Eye, they were extremely unhelpful. They kept tossing around the eyeball and not giving Perseus any answers. Eventually, though, Perseus got fed up with him, and he stole the eye from the sisters' mid-eyeball exchange. He held it and refused to give it back until they told them what he wanted to know. The Grey Eye needed their eye back. It was their only one. So they told Perseus where he could find the Hesperides. All I can think about while writing and recording this is that one scene from Percy Jackson. Once Perseus found out where to find them, he set out to the Hesperides. Once he found them, they gave him a knapsack to hold Medusa's head, and Zeus then gave him an adamantine sword, which basically means an unbreakable sword, and Hades' helm of darkness. Hermes lent him his flying sandals, and Athena gave him a freshly polished shield. Why the gods couldn't have saved him the, t the trouble and time and given him a knapsack and all the other weapons in the first place instead of making him go through all the trouble to find the Hesperides, I don't know. The gods are busy, I guess. Anyway, now that he was all decked out, Perseus went to Medusa to get her head. Now comes the most anticlimactic fight scene ever. Perseus snuck into the cave where Medusa and her sisters were living, crept behind the sleeping Medusa using the shield as a guide to see through, and cut off her head. He then put on Hades' Helm of Darkness and walked out of the cave unscathed. Interestingly, though, from Medusa's decapitated body sprang a pegasus and a man named Chrysosaur. Because, of course... Also, just want to throw in there, there is only one Pegasus in Greek mythology. There isn't a whole breed of them like in Percy Jackson. I know, I was very sad to find this out myself. On his way back to Seraphos, Perseus found a young girl by the name Andromeda chained to a rock. Apparently, Andromeda's parents, King Cepheus and Queen Cassiopeia of Ethiopia, had boasted that she was more beautiful than the Nereids. For clarification, Nereids are sea nymphs. Poseidon was not too happy with this, so he flooded the land and sent the sea monster Ketis to terrorize the family and their kingdom. Desperate for help, the parents consulted an oracle who told them that the only way to make Poseidon stop was if the parents gave their daughter to Ketis. So, they chained Andromeda to the rock where Perseus found her. Using the flying sandals, however, Perseus hovered over the flooded land and freed Andromeda and turned Ketis to stone using Medusa's head. Andromeda and Perseus then got married, because, you know, if you rescue a woman, it means you get to marry her. But wait, didn't this entire thing start because Perseus' father was trying to evade a prophecy? Well, when Perseus was back at the island of Seraphos, he decided to yet again set sail and go to the city of Larissa, where athletic games were being held. Perseus participated in these games, specifically the game of court. The game involves throwing a metal rope or a ring titled a quoit aimed toward a cone or spike on the ground. When Perseus was playing, Acrisis, Perseus' father, happened to be visiting the rest for the games, and when Perseus threw the quoit, it hit his father and killed him, thus fulfilling the prophecy. Some myths also say that Perseus went on to found the city of ancient city of Mycenae, which he ruled with Andromeda. And that, everyone, brings this week's episode of Myths and Stuff to an end. Again, I really, really hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, and as always, please let me know if there is anything I could do to improve my episodes. 
Um, I really, really hope you enjoyed this one. Um, also, I know that Athena isn't really tied to the myth of Perseus, but honestly, she like plays a big part in it, I would say. And, you know, I just really wanted to tell a story. So, yeah. Also, Emily Wilson just came out with her translation of the Iliad, and I went to Barnes & Noble to get it, but they were sold out, and I was so, so, so sad, because I so want to read it very, very, very badly. Um, but hopefully I will be able to get my hands on it soon. Um, but yeah, that's really all I have to say for right now. So again, thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed it, and bye. See you next week.